Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm uh, going solo to recap the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels, uh, The Lost Commanders. Uh, and hopefully we'll be having a uh, you know normal two-person podcast next week, but for now I'm going to be taking it solo uh, on video on YouTube as well as on our audio version. So if you're listening on audio, you can check out uh, the YouTube link in the uh, video description, although it's just me looking at the camera talking. I don't think I have time to put in any graphics or anything. I recently recapped uh, the rest uh, the season one of Star Wars Rebels on our YouTube channel. Ch- search for Overly Animated YouTube or OverlyAnimated.com is where you can find all our links. Um, and for our YouTube channel, our Tumblr, Twitter. Um, and I, yeah, so I caught up very recently with this show. It's very good. Um, I hadn't seen it before, and now we're going to be covering it week to week on the Overly Animated Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, uh, we cover a variety of animated shows. We take animation seriously, um, and we recap uh, Gravity Falls, Steven Universe, Moonbeam City, and now Star Wars Rebels regularly. Um, so I'm going to be getting into this, uh, The Lost Commanders, and uh, next week we'll probably have an audio-only version of uh, each episode of Rebels like normal. Uh, but for now, let's, yeah, let me let me get into The Lost Commanders. Um, the premiere of Season 2, although we had uh, the Siege uh, movie in between the seasons, so the I don't know if that counts as the beginning of Season 2 or not. This definitely seems like a, continu- a continuation of that movie we had in the middle. Um, and this was definitely um, a step down in terms of excitement from from the previous installment of, of this series. It was still good. I that doesn't necessarily correlate to quality. Uh, I wasn't necessarily expecting such a quiet premiere or the first part of a two-part premiere. That's kind of interesting. Uh, the entire kind of episode I was waiting for, you know, the the Empire to arrive, and uh, we definitely didn't get that. We just got kind of a quiet episode with a lot of connections to um, Clone Wars. Which uh, here's the unfortunate part: uh, I have not seen the Clone Wars series. Um, that was not a problem for most of season one. It was very tangentially related, not not many direct connections until a showcase showed up. And now this episode, I assume, uh, is is fairly related. I think Rex might be a character on there, you know. But it's not something that I'm that I'm aware of or familiar with. But I don't think that's vitally important to this series. That's kind of what I would um, want to. I think it's more important to see how the characters within Star Wars Rebels react to um react to the to the previous situations and um things that are brought up from the uh, universe's past rather than um the th- things being brought up again and having old things return like i think it's more important that Kanan has a lot of backstory here and we see um kind of flaws in Kanan almost for the first time um and seeing how that affects uh you know all the characters around him um rather than you know literally what his past was and i think we learn a lot of new about canon that he fought in the clone wars you know he's like i wasn't a commander um i didn't have these ranks but uh it was still something that was um very much a part of his past and he he brings these prejudices against the clones in and this seems fairly, um, at first it seems a little jarring because the character of Kanan is one that uh, seems very moral, very caring about others. His entire purpose is kind of to help out others against the Empire. Um, and, you know, as a Jedi, that's also a big part of that. So seeing him, you know, have a natural prejudice against Rex and his, 
you know, as to fellow clones is, is it's very, it's very jarring to see. Um, I like it. I like it. It brings a lot of depth to Kanan that uh, I previously hadn't had. Kanan's always been one of the stronger elements of the show and seeing him um, kind of for the first time add some backstory and depth to his character is very refreshing and very nice. Um, uh, unfortunately, Hera kind of gets sidelined again. That's another character I'd really like to, to see more out of. I know nothing about Hera. Uh, and it's it's uh, not easy to be super sympathetic to her when I have no idea what her past is. I don't really know much about her other than she's, uh, you know, crew mom for a little bit. Um, but uh, it's it's not. But then she gets silent here along with um, Chopper, who <laughs> I'm fine with not being in the main adventure. I feel like we had a little too much Chopper in the show. Um, and I would like to focus more on, on the other characters. Um I'm surprised I've gotten to almost five minutes in this podcast without mentioning that Zabine's hair color is different. <laughs> that was the first thing I noticed about about Rebels this season. Uh, I'm pretty sure that her hair was not different in uh, the Siege movie, but um, it, 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 uh, it's definitely like it was in the first season. It was like purple and orange, and now it's blue and green. Oh man, what a big de- what a big development in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest thing that happened. Uh, in this, actually, it might be the biggest thing that happened this episode. Everything that's big about this episode kind of happened last, last, last uh, installment. So, uh, so I don't know what's the discussion. If I had a co-host here, I would throw it. What do you think of Zabine's new hair color? I don't like. I mean, it's not that I don't like it. I liked the old one better. How about that? Um, it's by the way. Speaking of underdeveloped characters, Zabine, uh, I, she kind of had the focus in one episode with Hera. That was the one of the worst installments of the first season. And uh, I would love to see more. To hear, we kind of get a brief backstory of Zabine in one of the episodes that she was in uh, the Empire Empire's Academy and stuff like that. And I'd like to see more about her. Um, I think something good that happens with her in the first season is that she didn't uh, turn into Ezra's love interest uh, as like I think that would have been very one note for a character, but that not happening would usually mean that she turns into um a real character with more depth than what she had i think she's very good in her actions um relating to the crew and what happens um i think some of her best moments in the first season were kind of her and her like banter with with ezra i think that's been some of the most sympathetic things that we've seen there um but uh not sympathetic, most kind of interesting and distinctive things about Zabine. Here, Zabine, again, is kind of relegated to, you know, the mechanic and doesn't have much to do. But uh, let's go through... Those are kind of brief initial thoughts. I'm not used to constantly talking, by the way, which is why I'm kind of all over the place here. Um, let's go through things that happen in this episode. Sorry if I'm not looking <laughs> looking at the camera. I'm looking at my notes on screen. Um, so we see Commander Sato's uh, hologram after the events of the Siege of Lothal. Um Commander Sato kind of not separated from Ashoka and the rest of Ashoka Ahsoka. I feel like one of the characters calls her Ahsoka here, but um, Ashoka for, uh, rest of, separated from her and the crew of the Ghost. Um, so I'm interested to see what Commander Sato's role will be this season because it was very striking to see him introduced in Siege of Lothal and to see him kind of be this force commanding the Ghost because that's kind of one of the one of the trademark characteristics of the the ghost crew is that 
they're kind of they don't really have leaders if anyone's a leader it's Hera and she's more of a presence that fights along with them and not necessarily someone that um is you know barking orders at them who's just this figurehead from above and that's kind of what commander sato uh is here and um so if i'm interested to see if if they take the role of what he was in the beginning of this and he's just someone who speaks off camera the entire time like he he just randomly shows up as a hologram like i feel like that's maybe a good decision it um it drives plot and it keeps uh, his presence kind of relegated so we can focus on the characters we care about in this show. That might be a good decision. So he says that they need to, um, or I don't know if he says this, but they need to, uh, it's like he talks and Ashoka talks, they need to establish a base, they need more allies. Um, Ashoka says there's a military commander of the Outer Rim, a previous one, um, and they need to find him. Uh, and I mean, while they do that, Ashoka's going to be looking into the Sith Master from from uh the siege of lothal so that was a big moment that uh it's that was yeah that was i talked about this in my video review of um of siege of lothal like one of the biggest moments of that like kind of the climax of it is ashoka figuring out who darth vader is and that's really kind of this this it's something that you would expect this show to struggle with is how do you relate um how do you balance uh, keeping the show on one hand in universe, right? Not in one hand related to the rest of the Star Wars universe and have big moments related to the rest of uh, everything else, like in the movies, the other shows, even the books. Disney's completely expanding Star Wars now, right? So keeping it uh, tied to all that. I'll mention that in an article I read in another minute. And balancing that with, you know, this is an individual show, Um so we need to keep uh, big plot things that happen, big plot elements related to the characters in the show. Um, so I thought it was a little bit uh, strange to see uh, kind of this big moment in Siege of Lothal be related to some character from the Clone Wars and Darth Vader, who's not a presence in the show until the very end of uh, of last season and the movie. And to see uh, that moment be related here. So uh, that was the like basically the big... The big dramatic moment was not related to the events of the show here, um, and I think that's not where you want to be. Uh, it maybe it works if it's like in uh, a separate force, like that installment was kind of separate from the season. Maybe in between the season movie, that's okay. Um, so I like the decision in this episode to have her deal with uh, Darth Vader off screen. Um, it's 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 interesting because fans of Star Wars are going to see this as maybe one of them maybe much more interesting than the proceedings of this episode i definitely think that that would be more interesting than them going fishing um but i i don't want to see that i want to see it how it relates to the characters we know the crew of the ghost that's what's important for star wars rebels and that's how you're going to achieve quality episodes in this show um so i think that's a good decision out of the bait i'm not sure how they're going to handle a show for the rest of the season uh it's 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 interesting like what there's this character who was who is a big part of Clone Wars. Again, I haven't seen Clone Wars, but that's not this show. And for most of season one, they stayed contained within within Star Wars Rebels. So how are they going to... And now she's here and she's part of the main crew of the Rebellion. It's kind of the entire point of the show that's forming. Um, so how are they going to um, relate Ashoka to the rest of that? Um, I mentioned a brief side note. I read a very good article on EW interviewing Dave Filoni, one of the creators of, uh, of the show. Um, if you search for Star Wars Rebels, Darth Vader's Shadow Entertainment Weekly, I think you'll find the you'll find the article. And, he, and the interviewer is mostly interested in how Rebels relates to the rest of the Star Wars universe. Um, 
kind of kind of what you would expect it's like so how do you how do you deal with the movies and uh how do you make sure that uh your straws don't get crossed and stuff like that and it's a little tiring when i want questions on rebels itself um and uh see that's how i feel like i feel like that's how a lot of people who aren't gonna watch the show week to week are gonna review rebels it's like uh, there's this kind of self-contained plot here and how's it's going to relate to what's going on and one of the and basically dave filoni's like it doesn't really relate and uh there's the second move although if anything is going to relate it's going to be the second relate as in they have to worry about mixing up plot developments and stuff um if there is anything that's going to relate it's going to be the prequel or i don't know <laughs> using prequel in this universe is not a good idea the uh kind of spin-off movie that's second which is going to take place I think, between the prequels and originals, much like this series. Um, so that's the one they have to be concerned about, if anything. Whereas um, the, uh, most, uh, the, the most recent movie coming up is uh, after the originals, right? So that's not something that's even in the same timeline as this one, as this show. So uh, I, w- I would check out that article. It's very interesting. Um, but anyway... Uh, Back to back to the events of this episode, I guess. Like I mentioned, there's a lot happening here that's not super super interesting, I, I, in my opinion. I think that I would might have a different view of this episode had I been been a uh, Clone Wars fan, because uh, I think a lot of the clone stuff that happens kind of has a different weight tied to it um, if it relates to that series. Uh, however, for me, I bring an interesting perspective on this, not having seen Clone Wars but having seen the rest of Star Wars stuff. Um, so to me, uh, all the Clone Wars talk was not super significant with Rex and stuff. Like I said, I like how it related to Kanan's backstory um, and seeing how Ezra, uh, you know, reacted to all that and how Hera reacted to all that. I loved the scene where the hologram of Hera talked to Kanan and um, Hera's like, these, these clones saved my life. Um, you should maybe be more tolerant towards them. And uh, Kanan's like, you know, I'll I'll try. Um, I thought that was a very good scene, even though we're kind of doing this weird thing where we're just throwing out, um, we're throwing, uh, you know, backstory that didn't previously exist into scenes where we're trying to establish an emotional connection. That's not something that you generally want to do. However, here I liked it I, because I like when we do things with, with Hera, who we have not done much with in the show. And I like the bond between Hera and Kanan. A lot of times that bond is solely kind of this um, sexual tension bond. Um, and for a while, the show, it seemed like it was kind of hinting at this... Um, this kind of sinister element to Hera, uh, where it's like Kanan, ooh, Kanan's trapped by his, you know, affections for, his seeming affections for Hera, and maybe, and like, oh, she's she she knows everything, Kanan doesn't know everything, maybe that's something that's going to come and bite Kanan in the butt, and we're all sympathetic to him, and we're questioning of Hera, and um, I do like that the series did kind of a heel turn on that uh, subversion, where Hera just had their best interests at heart, but she was trying to protect them by keeping them in the dark, right? So now Hera's character is trying to gain more depth rather than just being this um, this kind of uh, potential distraction for Kanan. You know, I don't like the sexism ties in that anyway, and uh, I think this is better for both of their characters. So I like the progress we make here. Let's see what else happens this episode on my uh, show notes. Um, big, big note about Sabine's hair color change. That was, that was the big highlight for me. Um, 
uh, the, they go onto this planet. Uh, they, they have this thing with the old droid who says the numbers, and that's how I identify Re- Rex. Uh, they like connect to him, his birth numbers. Um, Captain one hundred five hundred first Clone Battalion. Then there's Gregor and Wolf, and of course, you know, we have the whole main plot of the episode where the one of them is mistrusting and he goes out on his own and he betrays them. And then you learn that at the end, you're kind of wondering, you're kind of left to think, oh, maybe all three of them betrayed it, but no, it's just Wolf. Um, as you can tell from my kind of uh, not great tone about that, this is a plot that is very frequent in shows. This is what I'd call a very tropey plot. Um, it's uh it's not that doesn't mean they shouldn't do it but it just means it's tiresome especially this one which i've definitely seen before uh so i wasn't thrilled with that it was i i'm one that never predicts things happening in shows because i purposely try to have a mindset where i watch shows only thinking what's happening in the moment i feel like that's a it's a imo it's a better way to to view media is to not try to think ahead and outsmart the writers just go along with it that way you can experience what they're trying to get you to experience rather than to um you know try to outsmart them and say "Ooh, i predicted the twist you know uh but uh so but that being said there's nothing to predict wolf it was obvious this is what was happening there's a little bit there was a little bit of doubt whether it was all three of them or just wolf but once you identify the trope if you've seen enough uh, media with that trope, it's it just on course from there. Um, I didn't, so I didn't, it, that wasn't super exciting. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't super exciting for me. Um, also, not super exciting this episode is the f- kind of five-minute sequence with them trying to catch the Jupa, uh, who apparently loves Lissette's, and um, he calls, I don't remember what the other one calls, Gregor, I think, calls uh, the Jupa the entire time. It turns out it's this giant kind of worm creature. To me, it looks like a worm with a U-W-U-R-M from Magic the Gathering, but no one's gonna gonna get that. Um, and yeah, and it almost eats. Uh, they seemed kind of chill about Zeb being the bait. <laughs> That's what I would have to say about that. Why were they not more concerned for Zeb? Because uh, it seems like there's a high chance of Zeb dying, but they're like, oh, it's fine. Uh, Rex and um, Greg were like, oh, it's fine. So I guess we're going to trust them. And Zeb, you know, turns out okay at the end. I guess that's fine. And he was kind of mad. And then he instantly uh, is uh, is placated by, um, by them saying, oh, Zeb, good job. You caught him on your own. That's the biggest one we've ever seen. Um, so, but by, you know, touching Zeb's, uh, by building up Zeb's pride, you can get him to be that forgiving. Zeb is one of the better established characters on the show, despite us not having seen him much at the end of last season. He was a super big force in the first half of the season. Um, so seeing him now, uh, so his actions now, even if we don't have to focus on him, I think are very, make a lot of sense now. Uh, and I think this kind of did fit along with his character. We've seen him as someone whose anger can be easily pla- placated. All this, though, this is kind of the biggest uh, example of that. Like, right? He, it's usually it's just oh, he's fooling around with um, Ezra, and Ezra it you know hurts him or something, and he's just quick to forgive. But here, he's almost dead, and then he's very quick to forgive if you touch if you uh, build up his ego. So. Um, Touching, I think we're 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 pushing the the boundaries of realism with Zeb's character, and that I guess is my point. Although um, you're a lot, although to the credit of the show, you can do things like that when you build up a character like that, like they did with Zeb. Um, 
So what else do we have? Uh, so yeah, in general, the fishing stuff was not very interesting, although it was also not, uh, it also wasn't long enough that it completely lost me. I will say that I sometimes get lost by super long, uninteresting action sequences. Um, this though was fine. Uh, as much as this episode had no super, super big elements that, uh, interested me in it much, um, uh, it's, it was fine. None of it also distanced me too much. That's kind of something I've found to be true with the show. Even the weakest episodes are still good. Uh, and that's a very good place you want to be in a show. Um, shows can lose you when they turn out bad installments. This show, I don't think has any, had any bad installments. It has had, um, I also don't think it's had like the best episode I've ever seen installments. Like I loved the finale and I loved five other episodes last season, but they don't compare to, you know, some of the best episodes of Steven Universe or other incredible shows on TV. Um, but that's okay. That was this show. This was this show's first season. And now we're getting to the second season. You might expect a quality increase. That being said, we're keeping with this kind of consistently good quality. So I am a fan of that. Uh, let's see what else I have on the show notes. Um, uh, we saw a brief, a brief return of Agent Callus, aka the least interesting villain. Uh, he's the first villain we met for the Empire, and he's kind of our entry point. Um, we know the characters can easily outmatch Agent Callus, so uh, he's not so like he, he's not a threat. That's the thing, and they know that, right? Because then the Inquisitor very quickly stepped up last season, and the Inquisitor was great. I love Jason Isaacs as the Inquisitor, and I'm excited for the new Inquisitor this season, if you haven't heard voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, that's going to be very interesting. I can't wait to see that, because uh, I don't want to see any more Agent Callus. I, I hope next episode, which is the continuation of this, like obviously we're going to have big action pieces with uh, the Empire coming. I hope the Inquisitor comes, and not just Agent Callus. Because uh, although Agent Callus is turning into like the villain that he's like, you know, he's kind of sympathetic, right? He's uh, he's unthreatening. He's uh, we we kind of feel for him as he's constantly berated for his failures by people higher up in the villainous uh, villainous uh, you know bureaucracy. And um, so he's fine. It's fine. His role in this was fine because it was two seconds. But uh, we don't need an episode focused on Agent Callus just as the main antagonist again. I, uh, in my opinion. Um, it was the we had the things with the clones and the control ships trips you know again i think uh in relating to the series this backstory not as important as how the our characters relate to that um we see that probe uh this is a good example of star wars rebels uh containing um it's its own little bubble of of star wars mythology within the show i've talked about this uh in my video reviews of season one which again you can check out on our youtube channel um and I love, 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 love how the season one stayed within Lothal for almost the entire season. That to me is such a good choice because you have a show with such an expansive mythology as Star Wars and you can get lost in it, especially for a, a show that's supposed to be contained within a set group of characters. Um, it's You can get lost within this vast mythology. We have a point that we can relate to in the planet of Lothal and... Um, it's great because uh, we we stay focused on that and we don't get uh, you know other planets and the, 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 like this episode like half the episode is like who are these new characters who's the planet and it's not uh, focusing on our characters as much but in uh, when we focused on Lothal uh, it was um, we were able to focus on our on our characters and the plot surrounding them so <laughs> I was talking about the probe uh, the probe is something that we established last season I, I I'm not uh, the biggest um, knowledgeable Star Wars person like I've seen all the movies I haven't seen Clone Wars again I've seen all the movies and I love them but uh, like I'm not gonna be able to identify different types of probes maybe even different types of uh, 
of empire vessels and stuff like that. Uh, so this this probe is something that was established in the I think actually I think the third to last episode last season of uh, something as being very dangerous. So when we see it doing its stuff here and like taking over the computer and kind of single handedly presenting a threat, it makes sense because it was established last season that this single probe was so dangerous as opposed to a lot of other enemy things that wouldn't be you know dangerous on their own. Even one stormtrooper would be much less dangerous than this one probe. Stormtroopers are just incompetent in the show. Um, you know probably every were too but uh especially may i don't know if it's especially here i need to cross check my star wars stuff here to see if storm <laughs> that's that's a discussion maybe i'll have with uh miller delaney whoever's co-hosting hopefully next week with me who where are st- stormtroopers are the most incompetent no stormtroopers this episode though so um that pr- probe does stuff um yeah what else what else what else happens checking the the show notes um this planet is uh silos i think by the way uh that's not significant to me but might be to you <laughs> who knows more about stuff than i do uh we had the uh you know we had uh, the entire stuff with catching the one which i already talked about and um we had uh you know the the kind of the reconciliation at the end rex is like uh rex is uh redeems them in kind of Kanan's eyes and shoots the thing although Kanan's still upset at the end and we'll see how he reacts to it um the uh, the Phantom engine took a direct hit, so they're stranded, and the Empire is on its way. So that's that kind of where we are at the end. And then they had a preview from next time, which seems like a giant fight with the Empire. Um, seemingly some uh, type of Empire uh, vessels we have not yet seen in Rebels, I think. I'm not completely sure about that, though. So uh, that's what we have to look forward to. Um, overall, this episode was one of the weaker entries in Rebels, in my opinion. Um that being said, I, I don't think it was bad. I think it was fine. And I liked a lot of the character moments we have. Like, I think we're on the right track with Kanan backstory. Like, I love that. And I want to see more of that with, uh, you know, I want to see Ezra's parents. I want to see um, Zabine's uh, school days. I want to see where's, <laughs> I know nothing about Hera. Where's Hera from? Uh, I want to see stuff with that. Uh, maybe some Zeb, uh, kind of an emotional backstory episode with him and the other uh other the other lasats maybe stuff like that so that's kind of where i am at with this um i'm interested to see how this season is structured uh we haven't met the inquisitor yet we haven't met um we haven't kind of seen how this is this uh our little crew of the ghost as i talked about earlier is going to function within um just within uh the the context of a larger rebellion now so that's kind of where i'm interested in so let me know uh your thoughts um, either by contesting, contacting us through one of the many ways on OverlyAnimated.com or commenting on the YouTube page for this video on what you think of, of uh, my thoughts on this. And next time we'll be covering episode two next week, the continuation of this, hopefully in a uh, two-person format, although this was better than I thought it'd be. I talked for 26 minutes. Wow. That is a long time of talking on my own. I need some water. So OverlyAnimated.com. I'm Dylan Heisen. Uh, you can uh, learn more there and you can support us at Patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Thanks to our current patrons, Shayna, Mitch Cordell, Beatrice, Nate, Andy, and Jamie, a.k.a. Haina, Fever, Mitch, Cordell University, exchange buzz like you're in mailman and we need your support on the patreon to continue covering doing you know four episodes four podcasts a week like we're currently doing now so uh more star wars rebels coverage to come thanks for you know thanks for watching 
And um, if you're on YouTube, subscribe. If you're on the audio version, you could subscribe to go to our YouTube and subscribe anyway. Hopefully, we'll have more video content like that in the future. Maybe some more um, cross-listed audio and video podcasts like this. I think that's a good idea. Um, Yeah, so we'll see you next time, guys. Bye.